Welcome back to another edition of the Disney Dish Podcast with Jim Hill. It's me, Len Testa. If you've listened to our show for a while, you know that way back in episode 79, we commemorated the event that happened on this day in 1970. No, not the day Jim Hill shaved his sideburns to look like Elvis Presley. I'm talking about the day Disneyland was invaded by yippies. A politically aware hippie, by the way, is what a yippie is. If you don't believe me, look it up. Or better yet, take it from the man who was there in spirit, if not in flesh, when Mr. Jim Hill. Jim, how's it going? Actually, you know, what's kind of funny, that was the year my family went cross-country. Wait, as you say this story, let me just sing Holiday Road in the background. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, and, and, Go ahead. And, and the line from the movie about that smell from the backseat, totally true. <laughs> just want to put that out there. All right. And yay, though the Hindus speak of karma, Lord, I implore you, give this woman a break. <laughs> We went to Disneyland the summer of 1970, and I remember a week after we had been in Disneyland, we were at campsite, I want to say, in Yosemite or that sort of thing. My dad brings in a newspaper, drops it down, and here's a picture of the Yippie snake dancing in Town Square, and all I could think of was, oh my God, if we'd been there that day and they had made us leave, they chased everybody out of the park by like five yeah. or six o'clock in the afternoon. I would have killed somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That would have been the subheadline. You know, the 11 year old <laughs> throttles yippee. Part of the Nixon youth? No, he was just a big theme park fan. <laughs> yeah, speaking of summers and theme parks, I was in the Magic Kingdom yesterday, Jim. Mm -hmm. And this is just a tip for our listeners who may be going to the parks when it's still warm outside. We were walking through Fantasyland, Laurel and I. About 12, 30, 1 o'clock. It was 88, 89 degrees, like it, like it is in Orlando. Mm -hmm. And ahead of us was a young woman who had a cast on her foot and who was in a wheelchair. Mm -hmm. So she's not normally used to being in a wheelchair. And this was one of the push sort of wheelchairs, not the motorized ones. Mm -hmm. But she said something, I think, and I think our, our readers need to, to bear this in mind. She had said that the wheelchair wheels were so hot mm -hmm. from the pavement that she literally couldn't touch them to push herself around. So if anybody's going and needs a wheelchair during summer, insulated gloves actually might be a, a reasonably good idea. Yeah. Just a quick tip. I'm going to throw this in the next edition of the Unofficial Guide too. Okay. I'll throw something on our website as well. But yeah, nice little tip there. I wish we could have pushed her around, but she had plenty of friends there to help her out once she when she said there was a problem. So that was good. So everyone, uh, everyone got to move around. Okay, cool. The other thing that I was doing while I was in Fantasyland Gym mm. Eating at Pinocchio Village House. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. Laurel's rule is never eat in Fantasyland, <laughs> which, I mean, there are there are exceptions to this, right? There's beer guest and a couple of other things, but mm -hmm. I decided I hadn't been in Pinocchio Village House in forever. Laurel ordered one of the cheese pizza flatbread things or whatever the vegan version of that is. I ordered the chicken parmesan sandwich, which is hamburger bun, chicken patty, marinara sauce, and cheese. Oh. And, okay, <laughs> you know where I'm going with this, right? All right. I, I took one bite of a gym and I looked at yep. Laurel and I said, I'm actually upset that something had to die to make this sandwich because <gasps> I know it's only a chicken, but it totally wasn't worth it. <laughs> You've had steak where you're eating the steak and it's so good. You're like, I can kind of rationalize a cow giving his life for this. I can kind of make my way to that. This was one of those things where you take your first bite, you know, that that was, that was just a waste of a waste of life right there. It was not good. My theory has always been about this restaurant. The reason the food has been terrible, and so we're talking terrible since 71, is yeah. that I think if you can look over the corner, it's small world dolls that didn't make the cut that are just going to work <laughs> in the deep fryer. 
It's gotta be. I mean, it just wasn't good at all. Yeah. The the flatbread wasn't good. It, Laurel took a bite of the of her flatbread, and it was bread. It's tomato sauce, mm-hmm. some vegetables on it. There's, there's not a lot you can screw up with a pizza, right? Mm-hmm. She immediately went over and brought back, I think, every packet of red pepper oh. flakes that she could carry, mm-hmm. and started pouring it on like this. This needs some flavor, and it was true. I I had a bite of the crust, and it was. It needed something. It wasn't. It was good. But that said, yeah. We also tried. A, there were a couple of good food items in the Magic Kingdom. Mm-hmm. I will start with the most Instagrammable one of those, which was the Peter Pan float at Storybook Treats. By the way, Storybook Treats is not in Storybook Circus, as you would think. Mm-hmm. It's over by the Prince Regal or Prince Charming Regal Carousel. This is a lime flavored soft serve Sprite float. Jim's reaching for his insulin as I describe this. Wow. It's green. I mean, it's like the radioactive green that you only see in superhero comic books and uh, after Chernobyl. Mm-hmm. It's that sort of glowing green that would you could see it at night from a mile away. It wasn't bad, though. The lime sort of cut the sweetness of the uh, soda. It wasn't bad. This is, though, the, the Fantasyland companion to... Have you seen the Purple Wall Slushy at Tomorrowland Terrace? Wow, Lynn, you were taking World of Color in areas that I really was not <laughs> ready for. But no, no, I haven't seen this. Purple Wall Slushy? Purple Wall Slushy. Okay. It's purple. I mean, there's no other word for it. It's, you know, like the, the purple wall over by Tomorrowland Terrace uh, on the way to Monsters Left Floor. That's the sort of the Instagrammable purple wall that every time you walk by, people are posing. But it's a tarot tea mm-hmm. flavor. With tapioca, pearls, whipped cream, and, uh, of course, purple sprinkles on See, top. now I want um, one. <laughs> Land, don't do this. You promised you'll come and visit me in the insulin. There's no other word for it. Purple. <sighs> purple wow. is it. Um, but anyway, so the Peter Pan thing is sort of the same thing, but it's green. I would not be surprised to see every land have its own signature mm-hmm. color and Instagrammable food item, and I'm absolutely fine with that. The other thing in Tomorrowland is there's this like lime green mm-hmm. wall over by Space Mountain now that is, um, uh, I think, also there for either color accent or Instagram mm-hmm. uh, ready to go. But that's uh, that's something, too. It, it, but anyway, it wasn't bad. I, I think that the food is interesting. Before I forget, we touched on the last show about the pretzel-wrapped turkey leg. I looked for it, Jim. I couldn't well, find it. there's a reason, Len. You were looking in the wrong park. It's Where was over it? at SeaWorld. You can actually find it. In fact, oh, okay. SeaWorld right. was so excited <laughs> we were talking about it. that I, I thought this was one of those things where you maybe announced something before no, it happened. No, 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 no. This, okay. this actually okay. debuted in July. Oh. It's It bowed at Mama's Pretzel Kitchen over at, at SeaWorld. Uh, mind you... It's an investment, folks. It's it's fourteen dollars and ninety nine cents, but you do get chips with it, and it, it literally it weighs a pound. <sighs> I don't know necessarily if it's a eat by yourself in July food. I think it, it might be something you lay on the table as a centerpiece, and everybody laughs and tries a little bit of it. Yeah. But again, if you're looking for the pretzel wrapped turkey leg, Sea World, you have to go to Sea World. So anyway, we we were back. <laughs> All right, we thank were you for Tomorrowland. That. We were tomorrow. So, have you uh, have you seen because of the construction work that's going on with the exit to Space Mountain that the new exit to Space Mountain actually rats you over the railroad tracks? Really? Yeah. So, um, when you immediately come off the ride, there's an emergency exit to your mm-hmm. right, and I guess the long ramp where you go by the post show scenes is to your left. You go to the right now, and then you you walk above a plywood walkway that they specially constructed it's raised a raised plywood uh walkway that they've put that goes from behind space mountain 
across the railroad tracks. So the the platform stops like right before the railroad tracks, and they've got a cast member there to make sure that you don't get run over by the, uh, I was by the train. About to say a very nervous looking cast member, I would imagine. It's a very alert okay. cast member. Mm-hmm. Let's put it that way. But one of the things that you can see as you're exiting Space Mountain, and I advise all of our listeners to do this, is you can see where they've uh, cleared the land out for the Tron coaster. Uh, okay. So that that is mm-hmm. definitely happening. Have they started the actual site prep for footings yet? Did you could you see down into the site or no? No, it just looks like they've uh, they've cleared the trees and the landscaping. So the um, you know like when they when they bulldoze over uh, trees and landscaping, it's still sort of like large piles mm-hmm. of stuff. But all pushed around. That's that's what they've done. So they, it's the ground isn't smooth. Nothing like that. Yet. We're not yet at the point where we're seeing concrete being poured or anything like that. What was kind of interesting is I was talking with some folks uh, about the Galaxy's Edge project, and evidently they are getting far enough along at this point that they are actually talking about pulling some of the construction workers off of that who specialize in concrete and steel and that sort of thing and moving them over to the ah. kingdom to get started on that end of it. That makes sense too because Remy is now finishing mm-hmm. up its like phase one construction as well and they're going to start cannibalizing some backstage areas that cast members are at too. So that would that would make sort of sense to start shifting mm-hmm. over to that. One more quick Magic Kingdom thing while we're there. You know my fondness for Casey's Corner Hot Dogs? Yes, Jim? yes. I have a new hot dog favorite in the Magic Kingdom. You know the little area, the the Liberty Square Marketplace that used to sell like pickles and sodas and you know mm-hmm. vats of mm-hmm. uh, ice yeah. stuff like that. Somebody put two gas-powered grills back there, and cast members are making grilled hot dogs with steamed buns. Mm-hmm. And these are huge hot dogs, Jim. These are the best hot dogs in the Magic Kingdom. These are as good as any ballpark Frank mm-hmm. you've ever had. They are fabulous. Now, this is on the side of Hall of Presidents facing Rivers of America, right? Right. So it's it's between sort of Hall of Presidents entrance and Columbia Harbor House. Best hot dogs in the Magic Ooh. Kingdom, Jim. By far. Not even now, close. does this look like this is here to stay, or is this something that they're doing? It looks like if it doesn't work out, whoever the area manager is of Liberty Square will have a really nice <laughs> patio barbecue. Okay. All right. It. I mean, they're stainless steel, don't get me wrong, and they're massive. Like, you could barbecue, barbecue an entire lamb on each of these if you wanted to. They okay. are huge, but it's not. it doesn't look like it's permanent now. Okay. But, it, Jim, the best hot dogs in the Magic Kingdom. You heard it from Len, folks. Go check it out while it's there. Circling back to Galaxy's Edge is they want that sort of feel for some of the stuff in the marketplace, the notion that somebody literally had set up that morning and is cooking there in front of you and they may not be back yeah just delicious yeah this this may yeah. be a part of that one more magic kingdom thing and we'll uh, move over to epcot so i, mm-hmm. I rode pirates to, you know we've talked about this before but the new uh pirates show scene with the mm-hmm. uh, the new auction scene we know that pirates has been changed a few times over the last few years right with different show scenes taking out things adding in mm-hmm. johnny depp yeah. new different scenes mm-hmm. right it seems like now, and this is just my impression of it, the, the ride is, has become sort of disjointed. Let me explain. So, uh, and by the way, uh, I did not come mm-hmm. up with this first idea. It's uh, Warner Weiss's idea from Yesterland. Mm-hmm. He described it, I think, either to me in person or in a blog post. Mm-hmm. I can't remember which. The original mm-hmm. Pirates of the Caribbean is a ride through space. Mm-hmm. You get to see the attack on the, the city. And then as you go through the city, you see mm-hmm. what's going on in the city. When they added Johnny Depp, because he's in different places throughout the same attraction, it became a story of not only space, a journey through space, but a journey through time. 
so it's sort of like a Westworld type thing where you you're looking at this character, you know there are alternate timelines, and you're trying to figure out where it's all going. But now when they they've added in the scene around the the auction, it, it, it's like one more thing in, that's discontinuous in the story. Like it's not clear to me why the pirates, if they're attacking the city and stealing things, they would stop to auction off chickens. And I'm, I'm not joking here. On the priority list of uh, ravaging and pillaging and whatever else they do, that selling chickens by auction would make the top 10, right? You're not going to get an argument from here from me. You know, I remember going to Mark Davis's house and he was upset about the first iteration of the change. And this predates, you know, the Johnny Depp Pirates of the Caribbean movies. This was when they decided to change the rape and pillage scene and reverse the order of the men and the women. So now it's the men who yeah. have stolen the food and the angry women who are chasing them because they have, you know, they, right. that, that's my roast pig. You know, that's that's my trick. I mean, Mark was very insistent about what Walt had wanted. And the notion was, well, first of all, there isn't a story. You arrive at this moment when the town is being attacked by pirates. And then, you know how when you go to a cocktail party and you move from room to room and you catch a snatch of conversation here or somebody says something funny there. or right. That's right. what the conceit was. See, Walt wanted it so dense and so many little things going on that that was going to give it the rewritability. You know, the whole notion of, well, I didn't see the guy over there with the leg dangling off with the hair or I didn't see the guy with, you know, cuddling yeah. with the pig. What's happened is that, you're right, every time they've laid hands on this, it's become that much more specific. And, you know, for example, when they put Jack Sparrow in, it became the Johnny Depp show. Do you notice, by the way, they've, they've taken out the mermaid yeah. stuff completely from the entire attraction? All of that is gone. So, so Laurel and I were writing it. We, mm -hmm. we couldn't figure out why. Was it because the mermaid skeleton was so disturbing to people? Or was it just like, this is just too much stuff? Or The problem was that, you know, the, the Imagineers actually spent an afternoon writing and just, you know, sitting in the boat listening. And, and again, it, it started conversations that, frankly, parents couldn't answer. Kids were like, Ariel? <laughs> Is that where Ariel died? It's like, no, 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 no. We're on Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> I did. I didn't. It's like, all right, we, we don't need Ariel no. dead by the side. Yeah, but the sad part is, is that when they took that out, they also took out, I don't know if you ever got to write it when the projection mer mermaids worked, when you floated through that section where they did the bubble effect and you got yes yeah that was brief i mean that that lasted like a that was like a summer romance yeah, that lasted a few months but it was, was a was wonderful done, right? effect and it, but again it was just hard to maintain the epic battle between the imagineers and ops and just the notion of this is a cool effect it's impossible to maintain we're shutting it off that's where we are the other thing i was thinking that why they took out the wrecked boat and the mermaid from that particular scene was if they're going to add live actors into pirates of the caribbean oh, for yeah. halloween they will need places for these yeah. actors to stand and that might be one of them because you can't put actors on the boat probably or in some of those show scenes because it's all animatronics behind uh, facades, right? So there's a limited number of places where you could actually put people in the ride, and I thought maybe that was one of them. Well, I got to talk with one of the entertainers who actually did that. And first of all, he said, not fun, because you are a human being dropped in scenes with robots, and it's, like, it's fun for like the first 15 minutes, but Disney's given you a set script, and this is what you're supposed to say. And then you realize you're alone mm -hmm. because none of these things are going to interact with you. You have two safe 
square feet to stand. If you step to either direction, yeah. it's death. <laughs> exactly. I was I was going through the we went through the the ride, and I was looking specifically for places where where people would stand. And up to the scene where Carlos is in the well. Immediately after that, and I'm looking around, you know, again trying to identify places for people to stand. I noticed that there was a bridge going across the waterway from one side of the attraction to the other, and it had a railing on it. And my first thought was, A, I've been on this ride, no joke, probably mm-hmm. 500 times. I've never seen that bridge before. It's just not the thing that I focus on. So, And it actually had a railing on it too. And I thought, well, people could stand there and you know jump up and it would mm-hmm. scare the hell out of everyone because <laughs> if I haven't noticed it, no one else has noticed go. it, that sort of thing. The other thing I think is, is people could stand at the end, you know, the mm-hmm. Johnny Depp treasure scene. There's a lot of space there. But yeah, in, mm. in the middle of the ride, like the city scenes, I don't know that there's that much space for people to stand. Because people have in the past stepped out, along the track there are what they call intrusion mats. When weight yep. steps on these things, all sorts of lights go on in, inside the control rooms and they can activate the speakers and tell people to get back in the boats and that sort of thing. So that also colored where they could bring folks in. Oh, right. Yeah, because you, uh, you don't want the temporary uh, actors to be shutting down the ride every five minutes. I guess they had several conversations with Mr. Depp because every so often they will do this. They'll bring in Johnny and he'll be in the attraction. And I guess in the end, he found it kind of aggravating because it was like everyone thought he was a robot and he kept having to do more and more outrageous things for people to realize, oh, that's the real Johnny Depp. But when he began to move outside of his safe zone, he'd shut down the ride and he wasn't entertaining people at that point. He was making them unhappy. Yeah, exactly. Look, Mr. Depp, we've got reservations at Blue Bayou in 30 minutes. We need to there we go. hustle this along, so. do whatever you need to do. All right, Jim, let's, uh, let's take a quick break let's, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about some universal news that we were right on. We'll be right back in one second. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. And we're back. All right, James, we had talked in a, a previous episode about a survey that Universal had sent out. Again, I think this was a listener that sent it in. Asking for... Potential names for another theme park. And you have some news on this, right? If you remember that show, Len zeroed in on Fantastic World. He went through this list of names and it's like, 
that's the one. That's the one they're going to go for. And I zeroed in on Dream Park because, again, Universal, back in 2016, bought the, the DreamWorks, and they've been bringing those characters into the park in a big way. And I thought, okay, you know, that makes sense. It has its own identity. Well, as it turns out, Comcast, NBC Universal had their earnings call late last week. And first of all, they had to sort of acknowledge that Disney had scored Fox, and they had to explain their side of not continuing the pursuit. They felt they weren't being fiscally responsible. Yeah. It come to question and answer time, and here's, you know, an analyst who calls it, by the way, you know, you guys just trademarked a name, Fantastic Worlds, and if you look at the form for the application for the trademark, it, it states that the name is for entertainment services of, in a nature of amusement park and theme park services. So what's that all about? Huh. So so the Comcast executive who was you know, chairing the meeting was like, look, we are looking at it. We love the theme park business. It's one of our best, most consistent businesses. And they flat out admitted another gate in Florida. And when we say gate, we mean theme park. It has the advantage of turning our Florida resort from a two to three day long destination to potentially a week long destination. We think that would be very attractive. Mm. So they have started site prep. We've got a name trademarked. Anybody wants to drive by there and check out the construction site and get back to me and Lynn? I'd love that. It's I'm debating when I go look at that construction site, and I'm not making this up, renting a helicopter only because I don't <laughs> want to drive on I-4. We've been keeping tabs on this project. In fact, have we talked about this in the show yet, about how the, the folks at Crossroads have actually been told that, you know, hey, oh, by the way, we told you it needed to be up at the end of the year. Please disregard. I heard this, and I don't know if we've talked about it, but I, yeah, I heard it was like a flood was coming. You need to get out now. Oh, yeah, you know what? Next I year's fine, too. Cannot make the folks at Disney happy because, again, they wanted to have all of this stuff done, perfected and ready to go by 2021. And hmm. they're admitting they're eight months behind. When it originally opened, it was already like, what, two years behind? Like literally the day the construction began, and, they admitted they were and, two years behind. And I think this is eight months on top of that. I, I think we're now into well into 2021 when this is all supposed to be done. If Disney is looking to launch not in October, but in January, in January. Two, two, 2021, this is not happy news. They were planning on that crossroads and the ramp. Exit. Yep, yeah. taking people straight into Hotel Plaza and straight into Disney Springs because that's a huge component. And the good news is, is they've got two years and change until they have to do it. The bad news is... Mm -hmm. That's some expensive real estate oh, yeah. that you, you have to alter. And especially the Hotel Plaza Boulevard section, because mm -hmm. that's been there for 40 years. Mm -hmm. It's two lanes either way. And I think it actually goes from three lanes to two lanes over by Disney Springs if you're coming out of Hotel Plaza Boulevard. But it's tree-lined. It's shaded. You know, it looks like a well-established neighborhood. They're going to have to bulldoze the heck out of that yeah. and make it look good in two and a half years. And I don't, I don't know that they have enough people to do that. I would be surprised. Just the road that cuts through there that the locals use. Oh, 535? Yeah. yeah I, I, because that's a major uh, on-ramp into uh, I-4 West. It's what, yeah. it, depending on where you are on Disney property, that's the easiest way to get back and forth. So sorry. You know, I apologize to you as a local. I just fly in experience this moment uh, helicopters jim helicopters. helicopters helicopters all right jim uh previous show we had talked about uh resort dining and we had left universal for last let's mm -hmm. go over that and that'll be the uh, the second half of our show how's that sound that works so again we um get reader surveys here at touringplans.com for every restaurant in every theme park and every theme park hotel in orlando 
hundreds of thousands of them uh, over the last couple of years. We've already talked about the Disney parks and resorts. We've talked about Universal Parks. Let's talk about the Universal Hotels. Mm -hmm. So uh, I'm going to glump them all together because there aren't nearly as many as there are in Disney. But uh, we'll start at the top. Mm -hmm. The highest rated restaurant on Universal property, and this is a little bit of a surprise to me. Mm -hmm. It's over at the Portofino Bay Hotel. It's Mama Della's Restaurante. It's Italian. It's comfort Italian food. I mean, basic pasta meatballs and so on. Jim, have you eaten here? Yeah, a number of times. It's This is kind of teeny tiny though, isn't it? It's small and it's sort of a basement feel to it, mm-hmm. but 97% thumbs up. Mm-hmm. Can't go wrong with that. It, it's moderately interesting to me for a couple of reasons. Okay. One is if I think of Italian food in Universal, I think mm-hmm. of either Vivo Italian Kitchen yeah. at CityWalk mm-hmm. or Biche, mm-hmm. also at the Portofino, which is sort of the high end Italian place. Mama Della's would be third on my list of Italian in that neighborhood, and yet super highly rated. To get that sort of rating, given that, I mean, operating hours are just 5.30 to 10? Yeah, it's dinner only. Yeah, yeah. I mean, wow, I'm impressed that it got that sort of reaction. Number two on the list, and we'll throw a couple of theme park things in here. Mm-hmm. I think I, I agree with this one. Fire Eater's Grill over at Islands of Adventure. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong with meat and fire. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> Very true. Did they cite anything specific or just... No, that's what I was thinking. Is there any... I'm trying to think of what's on the menu that I that I really want to uh, want to try. I, I remember the last time I was there, mm-hmm. it was moderately spicy. Mm-hmm. But I, I think I had the chicken stingers, the, the sort of the hot version of the chicken fingers. But the other thing that they have, I mean, they've got hot dogs with chili mm-hmm. and they've got heroes. Mm-hmm. So with, you know, hummus and whatnot. It's a basic menu. Yeah. But still. I've enjoyed meals there, but I, you know, if you held a gun to my head right now, I'm having trouble. Yeah, name something on the menu. Yeah. Oh, well, it's wow. been a good life. Yeah. So numbers three, four, and six. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Starbucks. <laughs> oh. 90, 90 some percent approval. Jim, it's the same thing in, in Disney. People like their caffeine fixes. Go okay, okay, but wow. Next highest, mm-hmm. I have to agree with this too because this is my go-to uh, restaurant in this particular theme park, Three Broomsticks in Islands of Adventure. And why there as opposed to Leaky Cauldron? Leaky Cauldron also does well. Mm-hmm. Not quite as high as this, but not bad at all. Hmm. Okay. What I love about Three Broomsticks are the atmospherics, whether it's the sound profile where you can literally hear chairs moving upstairs or... Yeah, the effects. Yeah, yeah those are great. You know, the wonderful projections where you can see people opening doors and moving corridors and that sort of thing. But but that over Leaky Cauldron, which is on such a bigger scale. Okay. Yeah. Next one after that, uh, Mythos Restaurant, 92% thumbs up. This is over at Islands of Adventure. And I haven't been to Mythos this year, but I'm thinking that it still has that banner out that says voted number one theme park restaurant in Orlando. And then in tiny print, it says like 1992, 1993, 1994, yeah. 1995. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... I thought the food here was fine. It's a very big space. Yeah. We've already seen, for example, you know, what's going on now with the new Harry Potter coaster, which is being built on the, the space that Dragon Challenge and Dueling Dragons previously occupied. And they would love, given how people have reacted to all of the Potter stuff, to march down the hill and eat the rest of Lost Continent. But... The fact mm-hmm. that Mythos is as well-perceived as it is has constantly tripped them up. Yeah. People love this. And so it's like, all right, so 
Hands yeah. off. I mean, the food's not bad, and it's been it's been ninety two percent. I mean, that's basically what be our guest gets in the Magic Kingdom. There you go. If they put Mythos in any any Disney theme park, it would be mm-hmm. it'd be equally as good, right? So it's not like it's just better because of where it's at. It would that's what ninety two percent is good. Okay. So the next one after this is the Islands Dining Room at the Royal Pacific, and I've eaten here many times. Mm-hmm. And 91% thumbs up. I think that's a little high. I don't know that I would give it necessarily that high of a rating. I mean, the food's always competent. The service has always been good. Mm-hmm. I can't remember off the top of my head any memorable thing I've ever eaten here. Yeah. I mean, I'm usually there for burgers and wings and stuff. It's not, I'm going with the safe things. Maybe I need to be a little bit more adventurous. I hate to say this, but I always get the perception when I'm over at Royal Pacific. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love the hotel. I you know, love the style of it. But it does come across as kind of convention food. It's like you're there for an event, a little pricier than you expect and not as good as you want. Yeah. Oddly, the place right across from it, Jake's American Bar at uh, Royal Pacific, mm-hmm. it's one of the lowest rated restaurants at Universal, 78% wow. uh, thumbs up. So yeah. maybe uh, maybe Islands is doing better in comparison. Well, here's hoping. Okay. Yeah. So the next three, mm-hmm. I think, are also surprising. And the reason why they're surprising is where they are. Mm-hmm. It's the Bamboo Jungle Kitchen, the Waki Waiwai Eats, mm-hmm. and the Kohola Reef Restaurant and Social Club, all at Volcano Bay, all right at ninety percent. Well, thumbs up. That's 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 impressive for a water park. Ninety percent thumbs up for water park food. Yep. Steve Jason, the chef for the Oversaw, sees basically all the food at the resort. I mean, he yep. laid out a ridiculously ambitious food profile for that park. In fact, they've been open six weeks, three months, something like that, where they they radically crept in the menu because a lot of the stuff that Steve had tried had had not worked. It just wasn't a water park food. But once they settled, once they reconfigured it, you know, based on there's things that people will tell you in focus groups that don't prove to be true yeah. when you actually get something open. And I'm honestly delighted to hear that. I mean, he put a lot of work in. I know people don't necessarily go to a water park for food, but there's some great restaurants and bars in there. Honestly, if you get an extra day, you know, and you're at Universal, head over there and wander, even if you're not a water park fan, just for the food, just for the bars. It's definitely worth checking out. That definitely makes sense. We'll end with one more mm-hmm. quick thing and that is two places that did really really well mm-hmm. also places you probably wouldn't expect mm-hmm. one of the highest rated lounges at universal is the swizzle lounge at cabana bay beach resort also highest rated food court the bayliner diner also at cabana bay i've we've been to both these places together actually yes, we? yes i mean yeah we have you know, well, fantastic food I can definitely get behind the Swizzles line. Yeah. It looks beautiful. It has the most uncomfortable furniture on the face of the planet. But it looks great. I mean, just... Here's, here's your drink, Toots. Now move along. That's what, that's what those chairs are saying right there. The Tootsums <laughs> Chocolate Emporium, where did that come out? So, actually, not bad. Mm-hmm. So 89% thumbs up, mm-hmm. which is about what I would put it at. Mm-hmm. I think the concept is interesting. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with the food. I will say that, and I've had the milkshakes a number of times. Mm-hmm. No one needs a milkshake that big mm-hmm. with an entire slice of cheesecake. Yeah, stuff that's it's just not. It's it's too much. Yeah, the word is toothsome is traveling. That evidently, as part of the redo of Universal City Walk in Hollywood, they are looking. Oh, totally. That totally makes sense. Yeah, to, to bring it out there. So. 
look, if it were me, I would have made the deal with Warners to get the rights to Willy Wonka. I mean, if we made yeah. the rights with them, the deal with them for Harry Potter. Why not just? I mean, go just to just if, at the end, if you just if you just leave, you know, with the check, you just leave like six everlasting gobstoppers. There we go with I, a wink. Yeah. You're like, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> or you know, you leave you leave one different piece of candy from the movie. Hey. You know, with a check. That's mm. that's just the funniest thing. Yeah. One more uh, one more quick shout out before we go, Jim. Mm-hmm. And I think we've talked about this before, but the Strong Water Tavern mm-hmm. over at Sapphire Falls, which is a rum based menu 96% thumbs up didn't quite get enough surveys for us to say it's statistically significant but uh, so we got 27 we need 30-ish mm-hmm. uh, 96% thumbs up still very good uh, if you get a chance to, to head over there everything I've had there is good I really like the place a lot you and I did a show from there well, uh, a while back okay. I, uh, I'm looking forward to going back as well if you, you have time to kill the outside patio there is one of the great relaxing spaces at the Universal Resort. I mean, just get a drink. Oh, yeah. It. It's really nice. Oh, Good view. There you go. By, by the way, Aventura opens August 9th, 16th, 19th, something like that, with a rooftop deck that apparently on one side shows the Universal Nighttime Spectaculars, and on the other side shows I-4. So <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Well, no, something actually, like you know, given what's going on construction <laughs> side. Look at the fire coming up from that show. That's amazing. Oh, but uh, so that's I-4. You're, you want to you look the other way. Seriously, after 11 o'clock at night, if you just want to pivot, that's where the real action is. Yeah. We're going to watch your, the campers explode as they... <laughs> Anyway, anyway, looking forward to that opening there because the food there looks uh, interesting as well. We'll have to cover it on the, on a show. We'll do. All right, folks, uh, that's going to wrap it up for this show. You've been listening to the Disney Dish podcast with Jim Hill. We're produced fabulously by our own long-haired, freaky people, Aaron Adams. Please go take out your draft card and write on it any show notes or comments or questions you'd like to hear, and send it along to us via iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or I mean MySpace, Orkut, whatever uh, whatever you kids are into these days. <laughs> that's going to do it for us. Uh, For Jim, this is Len. We will see you on the next show.